0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 20 of Horsemanship Radio brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. So, I looked up the traditional gift for the 20th of anything, and it was China, you know, like tink, tink, tink plate. Um since I couldn't think of an appropriate horse person from China, I went to Denmark instead. <laughs> and we have Joan Satori Soy from Denmark and Francesca Wood today, who um, Francesca can easily transition from the polo world to the wild Mustang and does it quite easily. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to The Horsemanship Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 15th and the 30th of the month. And I have my producer, Glenn, with me here today. Hi, Glenn.
0: Hi, Debbie. It's How's good it to going? talk to you again. Hey, last week was fun. If you missed last week's episode, go back and take a listen to episode 19, because uh, Jennifer actually produced that show and gave you a little questionnaire a little getting to the know, know the hosts questionnaire. And uh, I listened to it, and it was a lot of fun learning more about Debbie. <laughs> well,
1: it was fun for us. I don't know how everybody else handled it, but we had a good time. Kind of forgot about you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not at all. I miss you every time, Glenn. Well, you know, we,
0: we did that with all the hosts across the network, and it was it was neat for me. I've known a lot of these people uh, I, I've known a lot of these people, you know, the, my co hosts for years and years, like you, we've known for years. And yet, I learned something new about every one of them with that segment. Yes. So it was fun.
1: It's that it is a
0: lot of fun. That was a really good idea you guys well, We're going to take what? all of them, we're going to cut them out of the shows, take all just the getting to know the host segments, and we're going to put them all in one file that so that fun. if somebody wants to go back and listen to them all at once, they can do that. And we'll let you know where that is and when that's out. So.
1: Don't use it against us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, today we have a lot of fun going on. We have a a couple of guests today that I think uh, people will really relate to, even though they they've got pretty extreme uh, lifestyles. Uh, Got one that's way over in Denmark, and uh, she's a pretty tough cookie when it comes to riding outdoors. And then we've got Francesca Wood, who really she grew up in England, but she um, has an amazing affinity for wild mustangs. Now, I think people will be really interested in that story. We'll introduce Francesca Wood after this commercial from IFA.com.
2: Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at IFA.com, that's IFA as an in Index Fund Advisors, or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133.
1: Francesca Wood grew up in England among horses, the daughter of a champion jockey and professional horse parents. Her father was her mentor and was totally a nonviolent guy with horses. Racehorses, jumpers, and his horses performed at high levels, winning major steeplechases. She has two daughters, both good riders in their own right, polo and hunter-jumper. And Francesca has competed successfully with some very good winning horses in the UK, France, Denmark, and Gothenburg, Sweden. She's recently begun an odyssey into Mustang Rescue and training, and we are excited to hear more about that.
3: Welcome, Francesca Wood, we're honored to have you on the show today. You're in Nevada?
4: I am. I am indeed.
3: Where are you deep into Nevada?
4: I am in Red Rock, Nevada, which uh, stands at about 6,000 feet um, in the high desert.
3: Well, thank you for taking the time. I know it's the middle of the day there, and it is June, so it's probably warm, but thank you for coming in from those those horses. We uh, told the listeners a little bit about your um, background, but you've really taken uh, a departure a little bit from growing up in England. Tell us a little bit about um, how you grew up and how we came to know you eventually.
4: Right. Well, um, I grew up, in Europe and um, and in South America, my father trained horses, and so I've been around horses my my whole life. And I've been, you know, a com- competitive rider and colt starter. My father was a cult starter as well,
0: mm-hmm. and
4: had a but he had a broad, very broad view on horses and trained horses for multiple disciplines, which was interesting. You know, to be able to train jumpers and or steeplechase horses or you know, start cults, he could sort of do it all, which mm. was, was a great, a great um, exposure for me at that time mm-hmm. as a child and through, through my life. And, and, and the key thing also was I never saw my father hit a horse or beat it up or, you know, so I, I grew up with a wonderful ethic as far as approaching horses.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, and you that sure was did. Very and-
4: important for him um, mm-hmm. to not do that, and and um, I'd heard about Monty through um, an English friend called uh, Patrick, uh, Lord Patrick Beresford, who had attended um, uh, I think some of his, one of his clinics while he was in America, and he told me how extraordinary he was, and um, that was when I first heard of him in England. And then when I came to California, I came to California to, to work, uh, as a whipper-in for a fox hunt. And, um, uh, that ended. I chose to, to end it because they were being violent with the horses. Mm. And, um, I happened to be in a hairdresser's shop in Builton. really? And, um, <laughs> Monty was getting his hair cut at, uh, you know, on a Sunday afternoon and that's
3: that's how I met him that
4: Uh, is wild an English accent yeah and so we started talking about mutual friends in England
3: (laughs) Uh, no kidding and
4: I had foils in my hair very unglamorous
3: (laughs) foils in your hair we all know what that looks like sorry yeah (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) it was quite embarrassing really but he did invite me over to the farm and and I rode a couple of horses and he asked for my resume and he was on his way to England at the time and so he took uh-huh. it with him and some photographs and um, Pat and him basically sort of mulled over the possibility of creating something for me. Mm. That flag is up and he had a, a, a number of thoroughbred horses that um, people had left behind um, during the thoroughbred um, crash of you know, the economy and uh, people yes. just leaving horses.
3: Yeah. Yes. What year was so this, I, So I one, managed to
4: sell. I'm sorry? Yeah.
3: What year was I that? To,
4: um, I think it was 2009.
3: Yes. Yeah. So the, the downturn had hit. Yes.
4: Yeah. And there were seven different horses uh, and one Irish sport horse. Um, mm-hmm. They were all thoroughbred horses that had, you know, as young as two and three. And obviously they had missed their... To go to the track and weren't even registered properly, and um, but beautiful horses, and I sold or placed rather, and you know, they, they were sold to people in Virginia, and became people um, uh, chase horses, and then my own daughter, uh, Isabella Wolfe, um, mm-hmm. had one of the fillies by Benchmark, oh, yes. and, which is now playing high goal. Uh, hello oh, and she had been started at flag um, so that's that's how I came into it and it was sort of an exchange for me learning and doing some of the courses mm-hmm. um, to uh, learn about and be lucky enough to sort of immerse myself at flag for you know a good a good amount of time really mm-hmm. um, which was you know, something you c- you just can't buy. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you know, being That's immersed nice. in it and learning so much while I was there, and um, I was just so impressed by the whole thing. And um, and for me, as a horse person who'd really sort of what I call heard it all as far as how to correct horses, how to train horses, how to do it, it, Monty really changed my life um, and gave me this entirely new window. Mm-hmm. of viewing of, of horses and how to approach, the, you know, just cults and, and and then the Mustang, you know, just the fundamental language of Equus is what mm-hmm. I've been trying to learn this
3: mm-hmm. whole time. Well, that's what I, what yeah, that, I think that that is just fascinating that you, did, did you think of the horses having a language before you no. got it, yeah? Mm-hmm.
4: Not really, no. I, I, I did everything really by feel, um, and if I did have a problem horse, I would, um, try and figure out how, how to do it. And, and, and sometimes was really stumped and really couldn't get past certain, certain things beyond, um, just band-aids, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. as far as uh, a remedial horse or horse that started to quit jumping or something like that, um. Uh, there was no one who could really say other than giving it a good smack what mm-hmm. to do <laughs> you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. teach him a lesson, that kind of thing
5: mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, and, yeah. And,
4: and that never really sat well with me and, and therefore Monty's amazing ability to, to actually articulate things um, you know, things for horses and the language of Equus and its detail and intellectual detail to me was amazing Um, and I've never had that many alternatives put out there as far as you know especially for the wild horses and stuff but how it's applied to everything it just um, for me one of the most important things was being very consistent and predictable Mm-hmm. And you know, around the horses, and never, I mean, not that I lost my temper with horses, I didn't, mm-hmm. but the security that I've been able to give these wild horses, yeah, has been that routine of coming into the pen being the same mm-hmm. the whole time. Um, and then they invest in you,
3: right? H- had um, you started horses before, Francesca? You know, it literally, yes, had, yes. yeah, you had, okay,
4: yes. Uh, lots of horses in England um, mm-hmm. for three-day events or, you know, we, th- there was a sort of classic start. I was lucky enough to be with a very good uh, trainer of horses. Again, some, a woman who um, was a rider at Badminton and then became an international dressage judge. And she was really, um, uh, I was a working student. I did all, all the, the good stuff. Um, a working student does, but also I I did a lot of riding for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did start cold because she bred her own horses. Ah, good. But we did it the old-fashioned English way, which was (laughs) um, (laughs) a a, a very slow process, but, you know, we'd get on in the stall and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. These
4: days it would be, (laughs) and the stalls were tiny. A little crazy, yeah. Right. But on Did the other you, hand, these were well-handled horses.
3: Right, you know? They from and, from and they, womb, well, right?
4: Yeah, they were very easy. They didn't have any complexes of, of people or any yeah. of that. So, so it went very well, usually. I mean, I can't remember one that didn't go well because the start was always good.
3: You know? Did you use the classic uh, British Horse Society book, uh, BHS, kind of? I mean, I think that's worldwide. Well,
4: I did get, I mean, when I was 17 or 18, I, you know, everybody took this little example, the British Horse Society instructors thing, you know, and, um, but, you know, that, that was standard fare,
1: mm-hmm.
4: but, um, that was part of one's education as far as, um, horse stable management, which it was useful for. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. identifying, you know, colic, identifying uh, a strained tendon. I mean, all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It, it wasn't so much, I mean, the riding part was, was very minimal, but I was riding so much that, you know, it was a no-brainer for me to, to do that particular thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got like mm-hmm. 98% on my exam. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, it, it, was good to, it was a really good introduction to stable management um, but beyond that, um, you know, I wasn't interested in being a teacher. I was interested in being a writer at that point.
3: Mm-hmm. Right, right.
4: So I, I didn't pursue the the system, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
3: It's
4: for BHS, uh, you know, kind of thing.
3: Yeah. But, so I'm um, I'm curious how you how do you end up with this golden opportunity? To, to, to further your experience with Untouched Horses?
4: Well, it was kind of a, a leap of, of... God, it was really... When, when I left Montes, you know, left California and came to Nevada, you know, I was, I was married and my, my husband had a job here. And it happened, the house happened to be in Palomino Valley where the Mustangs are, are housed mm-hmm. by the hundreds. And I'd go past them every day. And I had my own horses coming up from California. And one of them was one of Monty's really nice horses. Um, and I had horses from, you know, I had six horses of my own that mm-hmm. I was starting um, to do things with. And, um, uh, and and I kept going past the pens. And then one day I just thought, well, you know what? I'm going to just see if I can even find one I like. And, um, you know, you can't go into the pens, so you have to view them from outside. You're not allowed to touch them. Obviously, they can't be touched. So it was an exercise in finding the kind of horse that I would like anyway. I mean, the Mm -hmm. kind of horse that I would like to have in my barn. It was no different as far as what I looked for in a horse. Okay. It's just it was far harder to choose one because um, you weren't able to touch it. You, you were only able to see it, herded one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, he went into the pen. We went in the truck so I could get a look at her confirmation.
3: Oh, uh, okay.
4: And I thought, you know what? Um, I, you know, I'd really like to see if I can, can do this from the beginning. You know, because mm. it, it wasn't as if I'd never started a horse. I'd, I'd started horses and... But I wanted to see specifically if I could use everything that I knew that uh, you know so far yeah. that I'd learned from Monty. The because
3: ultimate it test, was
4: the, it was in the purest form, you know, as far as I could. Uh-huh. It, these were really wild horses; they weren't range horses. They were wild
3: from the the, uh, You know what? I might even I might even add they, they're a little worse than wild because <laughs> they have now been rounded up. Mixed oh, yeah. up, you, you know they're they're probably right, wilder than a wild horse, yeah, because they've been handled. They are not,
4: not yeah, so nicely. Yeah. A horrible, horrible experience. Very traumatic. All the families have been split up. They, yeah. you know, no longer have that family, and they've been. The first encounter has been so traumatic with the helicopters and being separated and. Mm-hmm. You know, herded into trucks and 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 carted off to the BLM. You know, and having travelled far more miles than is legal um, in these roundups with these helicopters. Um, and so they had absolutely no investment in getting to know me.
0: Yes, <laughs> <It's> good.
4: <laughs> <laughs> none, <laughs> none. And the first thing they do is they they twist their ear. They get they put them in a chute. They twist their ears as hard as they can to get a halter on. Oh. and there's nothing you can do about it
3: yeah um, so these are mustangs and they and, a rope yeah, oh to go ahead sorry me. attach a rope they
4: attach a rope to, to the horse and they shoe it into a trailer
3: oh, tough and they yeah.
4: delivered it to me because I was like five min, minutes away so they actually because I didn't have a trailer at the time um, so they just shoved it in the trailer and, and you know, I had my round pen. There were certain specifications as to the height of the panels.
3: Because <laughs> yeah.
4: Mustangs will climb if they need to. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So they had to be eight feet high and so on and so forth.
3: Um, it's an Indian so, horse or a Mustang. Do you know, Francesca? I know yeah, that she was, de- t-
4: she's definitely a, a Mustang. And I'm actually going to send her, her, um, a couple of, of hair.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, with the uh-huh. root
4: in it. To, yeah, just to get her DNA because she's just turned out to be such a spectacular little horse.
3: How and, interesting it will be to see um, if she's
4: got some will Spanish be interesting barb. To see.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and actually your mother, uh, um, Pat, when she saw a photograph of her, thought, well, she thought she was very pretty horse, but also she looked almost like she had a, a little bit of a head of a, of an Arab, you know, some mm. barb barb mm-hmm.
3: in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Probably and
4: she moves like a much bigger horse, you know, than she is. So,
3: so wh- how long from the time that you adopted her to you actually forayed out on her back? How long was that process? Yeah.
4: Um well I really took my time. You Good. Know. I, I sort of did it just um probably um, entirely a year before I actually got on her, because I got her only as a two-year-old.
3: Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah.
4: So I did all the groundwork that summer, that the tarp work and the halters and the long lining and the join up and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. became really solid. Mm-hmm. And then I let her have time off, which again is a very English approach, but. Um, here it gets so cold in the winter, you really can't do anything constructive no. unless you have <laughs> them Yeah. So she ended up that summer just being very solid and, um, personable and, um, just, just a really nice horse to handle from the ground. I introduced her to water, being hosed down, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just every, everything I could possibly think of that Monty would suggest in the starting process. Mm-hmm. But times 10, because you're starting with a minus score. Yes. <laughs> you
3: know I mean? That's
4: so, right. <laughs> uh, You know, and so, and, and obviously Monty can do these things uh, so swiftly, but, but I would, you know, just double check everything I was doing. And yes. if I made, when I, when, not yes, but when I made mistakes, I would, um, often I would call him and say, mm-hmm. you know, this this isn't, you know, working. Have you just and you know, as long as I had my, my question ready, <laughs> a lifeline. Him, you know, he'd always answer and it was just so nice of him and I felt, you know, wow, this is really cool that he, and he knew exactly what it was. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> it was he'd seen it before.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's like, then that on that and so I knew he would be able to answer it mm-hmm. specifically with these, with the, with, with these mustangs, and mm. um, uh, so by the time I got on her, it was really a no-brainer for her. Uh, that's nice. You know, I'd done. You know, I'd leaned on her both sides just as I would in England. I'd slapped the pack. I'd walked her around. I, you know, I'd done all the things I would have done mm-hmm. uh, with a colt. But the long lining and join up was the key in the beginning. Mm. And, so yes. Um,
3: so, it, and not so looking
4: you her in the eye and all that good. was key in the beginning. Right, for, I mean, truly key. And, and now it's a habit. I just don't do it. I just don't look horses in the eye when I'm trying to work with them. To start with.
3: So it's a it, little bit like sending go, them away, obviously. Well, and, that's right. Yeah, except when you yeah. want them to go away. That's right. Yeah, that is exactly. their. Language. I mean, that's yeah. A lot and, of people say that when they work with a horse, uh, and then they try to switch to a wild animal like a deer that the flight mechanism is a hundred times greater for that wild animal. Do you feel like it was, you know, like a hundred times more difficult? Yeah. For a wild horse. Yeah. The pressure
4: pressure zone was fascinating to me because once, uh, well, first of all, even though she was two years old, barely two years old, she was on her own in a round pen in the middle, middle of the valley she didn't even whinny, mm-hmm. which I thought was that's really right. interesting. They're she quiet. did not make a sound. Yes. And Just I thought, tell wow, us, that's survival. Yeah,
3: tell us. That's right. That's right, because yeah, those that are identified are eaten. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Exactly. And that was, you know, all these small things that I, you know, you fully expect a two-year-old to come in and yell, you know, make a, bit lo- a lot of sound and all that. Nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and then, as time went on, discovering the pressure zones. For example, when I came out of my house, um, which was a good distance from the round pen, mm-hmm. she would—I I would open the door and I'd look towards the round pen, and she would. She would have picked up on me coming out the door. So fast it mm-hmm. was just like you know, just like that. Whereas yeah. domestic horses. They don't really notice that kind yeah, ho-hum. of thing.
3: Ho hum, yeah,
4: <laughs> and, yeah, it's ho hum. But also mm-hmm. things like um, because it was my first winter in Nevada, I had to break a lot of ice, you know, for the
3: tanks. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. And the first time it froze over, I come over to her tank. She's already broken the ice.
3: Oh, oh wow! You yeah, know th-
4: things like that that were so oh. interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with her it, foot, you know, and it wasn't a stream; oh. it was a, a, a little water tank, you know, you know, proper fifty-gallon.
3: Mm, so thing. she got up and in it a bit. All these
4: other domestic horses were standing around waiting. Yeah, <laughs> waiting, waiting for you. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. And you know, these were these were just like gifts to me to realize just how incredible these horses are, you know, and. Although she was extremely wild, I mean, you know, she was bucking around the pen and stuff like that. And I thought, Francesca, you—you you really have been off. <laughs> what more have than you, you thought of? I was <laughs> <laughs> thinking to myself, "This is okay. Well, we'll see." Type thing. If I can uh-huh. do this, uh-huh. but um, you know, the thing about the Mustangs that I find so fascinating is that they give you. And op- opportunities to work with them, and that's what you have to learn to see. Are those opportunities um, that I think Monty calls them training opportunities or working with them opportunities? Mm-hmm. That you, you stumble upon them, um, you know, and 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 then I can apply uh, something Monty has told me. Like, for example, the visual. The, the two sides of the horse, the way it sees things. And particularly on the trail, um, although she's completely at home, on these incredibly, you know, um, precipitous rock face mountains I'm on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I went out with her, you know, to show the horse something that it's a little bit afraid of, both sides, and keep mm-hmm. going, and never stop and look at something, but keep the horse moving past stuff. That was invaluable, to understand the visual um, Mm -hmm. process that horses have. And and that, you know, working both sides of the horse and having it so it can see you all the time was so key with the Mustangs, especially around their
3: rear (laughs) ends. (laughs) <laughs> ah, right. Deadly. Deadly. Before you know it. That's right. Oh,
4: yeah. And so, you know, but, but I made so many errors or blunders, I suppose, but they're magnified, you know, so much. Um, just things like even, um, uh, just to think. Just the smallest gesture, like scratching your, your head with one of these horses to start with, is an event for them. <laughs> I mean, taking your ball cap off or your uh-huh. helmet is an event for them.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, Imagine through those how, eyes. Yeah, through those eyes, huh. they, they have never seen any of this stuff that any we take for granted. Not, uh.
4: You can assume nothing Yeah, but they know. You know, so, so one has to be so diligent Yes. And precise, but at the same time, they're giving you an awful lot. Yes. You know, and that's, that's the yeah. fascinating, has been the fascinating thing with me. And,
3: um, and then Are I they just, more? Do you think they're more generous than domestic horses that way? Yes. Okay. I do. Because
4: their curiosity can overwhelm their... Their curiosity is really what gives you the training opportunities. Mm-hmm. Because they want to investigate things, because their life depends on it. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: Yet like they're they're such they're great energy preservers, though I know too, and I don't mean that in the ha ha yeah. sense that we say about some lesson horses, but that that they right. they can live on air practically, yes. and uh, and they they do want refuge quite a bit, and yeah, absolutely,
4: absolutely, mm-hmm. and um, they. Um you know, I was surrounded by them within the Palomino Valley because it it borders the Pyramid Lake tribal area mm-hmm. reservation. So a lot of them would come over the mountain. So I had a chance to for them to see them in the wild around me oh, at the same that time wonderful. having one.
3: Oh, and there that's was one
4: cool. Yeah, and there was one event uh when um uh, she jumped out, out of the field. Mm-hmm. And there was a band coming through at the time. Oh. And o- off she went with her winter rain sheet on. <laughs> oh dear. she on <laughs> for three days. Oh no. Yes. Three days.
3: Oh, you must and have been I thought, worried. well that's sick. it, I'll
4: never see her again.
3: Yeah.
4: And all through the valley she was seen. Because obviously she was running with a herd.
3: She's the only she one the with sheet she's on. <laughs> on. She had a sheet on. Yeah, the rain sheet on. Hard to miss. A, a, it's like what?
4: <laughs> but she, her brand is very big, so they could see she was a Mustang. Ah, oh, good. And um, and she went for three days with the family, and then she came back.
3: No kidding, Francesca, she that's so cool. Came back
4: to us.
3: Didn't and I, how long had you had her at that point?
4: I'd had her probably a year.
3: Yeah, yeah that's so cool.
4: She's decided, hey, this, this, this is a lot of work being out there. <laughs> it she is. She must have lost you... like 50 pounds, but oh, she did not, dear. she didn't have a mark on her, not a mark. And I saw them going up over the rocks and disappear.
3: So she it's interesting that... Them- the- the band took her in. Then, uh, as far as we well, know, they
4: too. Of, yeah. They, but but apparently, from people who'd seen her, she had to try and keep up with them. You know, they didn't really want her there, uh-huh, uh-huh. but she she kept going. For Horse a of while. a different
3: color with that sheet on, anyway.
4: Yeah,
3: <laughs> what the heck is thought... this?
4: Yeah, <laughs> it looks and, like a detriment. Um, exactly. So, uh, but luckily, she she had one of these flaps over her tail. So oh, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, She's going to get bread or something awful, you know. Oh, that's funny. But luckily, they didn't go there.
3: Yeah, and, there you go. Um, the, yeah, the downside. But I was amazed that
4: she could find her way back.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And
4: a couple of times, I, actually, I fell off in the desert because she spooked so quickly, yeah. and um, and she, but she stayed with me. Oh. That was the thing. Oops. That was when she was really a baby. She stayed with me. She didn't try to run away.
3: What a relationship! they weren't
4: major falls, but you know she, they're so sharp. You know when they change direction. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: She was like, "Oops, yeah. okay." But yeah, had to I get end up on down. her? You know all that that stuff that I learned from Monty about standing still. You know the whole mm-hmm. standing, learning to stand still. She stood still every time I got on her. Know, so that so kind of thing was was golden.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: Um, the value of standing still was just huge.
3: Fantastic story! What a fun story! Yeah. So, what are you going to do with her now? Is there a is there a goal for her yes, life or a, a job? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, definitely. I, I she's one I I want to keep um, because I've decided that I thought it'd be fun to do the endurance on her. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. Um, and we've started working. I've started working with a couple of really good riders who've done the Tevis, and you know, which is a big, a big deal out here. But but in general, there are loads and loads of distance riders here. Everything from, you know, people who go for a two-mile walk to people doing hundred miles, fifty miles, seventy-five miles. Mm-hmm. And so far, I've just done. Um, I started legging her up in January, um, and going out. And I did, you know, some. I've done ten miles and ten miles, and it's like, you know, over a, a period of time. She can now easily do a twenty mile, and I'm, I'm actually preparing for a twenty-five mile thing that's happening up here.
3: Ah, is that this and month? She's
4: used to the altitude, and she's just. I mean, I've been walking and jogging. That's all. Walking and jogging and climbing. Oof, and yeah. I'm learning about heart rate and recovery. Um, right. My vet happens to live down the road. Good. And she's doing it. And uh, she has she's, heart monitors. Yeah. She monitors.
3: Uh, she's monitor. doing the endurance with you? She's part of the competition? Well, she's
4: got a four-year-old as well, four coming 5 year old uh-huh. So we do some together, but mostly I ride on my own, which is crazy, but I do.
3: But you I do, I do trust are, this horse. I mean. You are, you're amazing, Francesca. I cannot believe what you've accomplished, <laughs> not only over your whole lifetime, but just especially <laughs> in the last few years. And, it's, uh, yeah. huh. you, you've got it's, grown daughters uh, who are fantastic yeah. horse riders too. Uh, well, but uh, you know what? They got to keep up with you, Francesca. Well, I don't know. I just, <laughs> um, I, you know, my interest
4: through Monty, I mean, honestly, between you all at Flag, it was like having, This whole window of opportunity and then I created something out of it as far as, although I'm not obviously an instructor, I wanted to see just my, my, you know, my curiosity is what has, has fueled this and my admiration for these horses.
3: Mm. And well, really you've helped all bear. of us grow. Yeah, I, I appreciate yeah. your time today. You've helped us grow in admiration for you and the well, horses, certainly. But yeah. what insight that um, that you're able to share and give? I would love to have you back to follow along with the story mm-hmm. of these. How many Mustangs are you riding right now or have for right the now?
4: At um, I've started. I've been here about eight weeks, eight or nine weeks, and I have six. Um uh, six Where you are right Indian now? horses that were untouched that were uh, rescued uh, from wow. the slaughterhouse sale nice at job. Salon and then one Mustang well, you know, the difference is, I mean they're all the same in the sense of of um, being on the range. I mean, none of them have been protected in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so starting from scratch from no halter even, And I'm now long lining, and, um, and I've got four four really on their way. I mean, I've um, there are photographs up of them having their feet trimmed now.
3: Oh, fantastic!
4: So that was a major thing for me.
3: That is. Yeah. Are you? Where, where can we find you? Are you on Facebook, Francesca, or do you have a website? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Facebook, Francesca Wood. Yeah,
4: just Francesca Wood, and and, and I document yeah. what's going on. Um, as as a little bit of progress goes along and then I'm also documenting um, my rides on, on the Philly
3: Oh fantastic, uh, well it'll be yeah. fun for people to follow so, you and support you. Yeah.
4: yeah, it's like wide open here because it's all BLM land I'm on
3: uh-huh. Yeah. Um,
4: adjacent to and Jessica Gardner is the person that I have to thank for this opportunity uh-huh. because she's been trying to get hold of me for a long time and I you know, was going east and this and that. And I said, okay, you know, finally she said, please, please. you know. Mm-hmm. And the, the great thing about Jessica was that she knew that what she didn't want was yeah. the Western way that everybody was like, uh-huh. come on, you've got to do it this way, this way. And we had had previous conversations about what I did and how I did it and through Monty and all that. And I signed her up for the uni.
3: Ah, the Equison Online University. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. That
4: was the first thing. And this was like six months ago,
3: mm. at least.
4: And that's when she got these horses.
3: Thank so, you, Jessica.
4: Yeah. And her husband, and she's not a horse person. She's really a scientist. She's a, a, a range. She's a plant specialist, a, a grass specialist, um, and all of that. But, she, you know, she loves animals, and, and, and she's not afraid of, of of anything, but so she's been working, uh, viewing what I'm doing, and I'm. The goal is to have these horses find a future, mm-hmm. and her placing them, and you know me helping her do that, and have her be able to manage her own in four that she's going to keep, you know, broodmare. Yeah, well,
2: good
3: Support to you in now.
2: that goal. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And I know that I'm transforming the lives of horses globally. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. There's a new lesson on there each week, all the way from join up to advanced. Watch world's champions give their lessons. Join at MontyRoberts.com. Go to my Equus Online University. You can transform your horse, too.
1: Joan Satori say is from Denmark and she is a wonderful student of the horse. She has had a wonderful upbringing in uh, riding and uh, showing and she felt compelled and has done a great job to mentor children. She puts together camps for children in Denmark and she has an interesting perspective that children weren't born with a whip in their hands and probably shouldn't be trained to use one as well. She has pulled away from the traditional pony club memberships and the real structured horsemanship and decided to create for herself and for her own children the ability to put camps on that teach horsemanship from the ground up, naturally, the way it should be done. Welcome, Joan Satori Sully. I'm so glad to have you as our guest here all the way from Denmark, but that's not where you are right now, right?
5: Nope. I am at Flaggyshop Farms right now in California, Solvang, Just, California. I'm very happy
1: yeah. to be here. I'm glad you are too. That's why I roped you into this because uh, Denmark, it's harder to catch up with you. You have a wonderful program that I would love to share with the listeners today about that you um, feel fairly uh, convicted about back in Denmark. And I would love to hear how your children's program got started.
5: Yes. Well, I would love to talk to you about that, Debbie. Uh, it so happened that when I entered motherhood i uh, and my own two girls wanted to attend riding lessons. I found that the traditional riding schools really hadn 't changed much since I myself went to one in back in the seventies and uh, I was very sad to find that many of mm. the horses is looking like they look suicidal <laughs> because oh. they treat really they' treated really harsh and yeah. Many of the, the kids are still learning just to have a whip in their hand. That is the number one equipment for learning to ride, I suppose, is a whip in, in your hand. Mm. And the only difference I've, uh, difference I've found from my old childhood riding schools is that nowadays you can have whips in all kinds of wonderful colors, mm. so twisted like a candy cone and bling, bling. <laughs> so Absolutely. And uh, the kids are taught by adults that it's okay to hit horses. Mm-hmm. And that is so much against my philosophy of how you should be around horses. So I was thinking, well, instead of being all upset about it, why don't I just start my own riding school and show it can be done different? So mm-hmm. I did. I started my own little riding school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at my riding school, uh, whips just do not exist. That's the number one rule. No way. So, I
1: love it. Mm-hmm.
5: Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that so that's the first thing they will learn. The kids learn how to ride without a whip in their hand, and uh, it, well, it, it really isn't rocket science, is it? But I experienced that kids have asked me how I make my horse go forward if I don't have a whip.
4: Yeah,
5: and that alone tells me that a, a riding school with these kind of philosophies is most needed:
1: Very good, that's right.: So what do you answer when they say, But my horse won't go forward without a whip. <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: Well, I teach them. I, I tell them that it's not a it's not a question about whipping a horse to make him go forward. You want him to 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 want to go forward, mm-hmm. and you want the horse to be happy to work with you. So of course the horse will go forward. I mean he he went forward like 50 million years ago without any help from human beings. Nah. So, of course, right. <laughs> horse, right? he will go forward. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we talk. Then I we talk about how 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 they feel themselves. I mean, if they were whipped to go clean mm-hmm. their room, would that make it any more fun? I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's kind of harsh to say, but but, but you know, the kids understand. They, they never enroll riding lessons to learn how to strike a horse.
4: Mm-hmm. They
5: enroll riding lessons to be able to ride out in the sunset with the very best friend, four-legged friend, and mm-hmm. they love horses. So why would they hit them? But they're taught. Many times they're taught to hit the horses. Mm. So we simply do not do stuff like that at my riding school. Mm-hmm. It's called Range E, by the way, and um, it's very, it's it's it, it's it's very important to me that the kids learn to be around horses with a lot of fun and joy. And it's important to me that they that that the focus is about being with horses and being with peers' kids and have a good time. So I also make sure that it's not so important what they wear. It's, of course, a safety issue. It's very important that they wear helmets and that they wear good leather boots. Mm-hmm. But uh, we don't do so much in expensive equipment and outfit and looks. We just want to play and have fun and learn. Very important. We want to learn.
1: I love that, and you have sort of Western-based riding, which is interesting in Denmark. I, I don't know if that's non-traditional too. Probably, huh?
5: That's really not very <laughs> traditional to do. But I, first of all, my my heart belongs to Western, so that's a very good reason why I, I choose Western. But also, it gives us the opportunity for riding in jeans only. I mean, mm-hmm. so. And the parents love that, that they don't have to go out and, and use a lo- spend a lot of money on expensive outfits. The kids can just show up in jeans and boots. Come on, and then I provide the helmets and the safety vest. That, but another yeah. thing is that, you know, out of right now I, I have 20 students, and four of them is boys. The yeah. boy number five is hanging on the fence. Still oh. <laughs> trying to, to convince his parents that he should attend writing lessons, but you know, this is a lot of boys. And I know why. Because they don't have to
1: dress up. Yeah, that's right. None of the pink, pink, uh, and purple polka dots and all the things that go with a lot. <laughs> and, and you lived in Colorado for a couple of years, I know. So is it, does, do you have a kind of a Western feel to it? Because I would think that would attract boys as well.
5: Yeah uh um i'm so sorry you need to re- you need to repeat the questions, if oh, yeah, question
1: oh yeah you you uh, lived in colorado for a couple of years and we all know that that's the wild wild west out there in the denver yeah. area but is is uh is there sort of a, a cowboy theme to this in denmark or i mean that would attract boys i'm just thinking out loud here
5: oh yeah that's, that that's true uh there they do exist Western riding in Denmark, and actually they're pretty good <laughs> too mm-hmm. um so the level um of western riding in Denmark is pretty high. there's not so many western rider riders compared to dress and show jumps, of course um but uh, yes, living in Colorado was the n- number one uh aspect for me. Yeah, to bring in the Western, uh, mm-hmm. the Western team. And, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I was so lucky in, in Colorado that I'm, I met some very nice cowgirls and uh, one of them, Tiffany Doverspike,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
5: she taught me a lot about Western riding as much as I possibly could learn, uh, within two years. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was teaching kids, uh, herself. So I went as a, her helper. And I watched how she did and uh, I got lots of good ideas from Tiffany Dover's bike. That's, that's for sure.
3: Great. I always thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh,
1: if somebody, I'm thinking about the moms that are listening to this who maybe have a couple of kids that are thinking, this is a great idea to kind of go non-traditional from the pony club route and get the kids involved. Do you, did you have a writing school to begin with, Joan? If I had a writing school to begin with, did, did you have a riding school with lots of horses to do this or did you start with nothing?
5: No, I started, I started out with almost nothing. I, I'm so lucky. I, I do have, I do have a little farm. Mm-hmm. I did have a barn and I, I do have a little arena. I had two horses to start out with and I borrowed one from a good friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I went out to find good little ponies that, mm-hmm. you know, Maybe not worth so much to other people, but to me, they're worth a lot if they are good and steady bump-proof horses. And Mm -hmm. one of them I got really cheap and I just rode him myself for two weeks and he was ready. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So and with the, with the methods of training horses that I learned here with Monty Robert, I mean, you can get very far pretty quick. If you do it the right way, and so I, I must say, I, I of course, my horses, I train them only with the Monty Roberts method, huh. and uh, they are, they're very, very good with humans. They're very good with the kids, and the kids, of course, I teach them a lot of my knowledge from, I learned here with with Monty Roberts. And, oh, that's nice. Yeah, so they put so, you know, just the fact that they they don't approach the horse. With eyes on and 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 sent the horse away without knowing it. They they know not to have eye contact. They know how to position themselves to the horse. So so just by that and then with the whole non-violent environment, I'm mm-hmm. sure that that's very much the reasons why the horses are cool. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, to, to go back to the question, no, I, I well, I had the facilities to start a riding school, but I have built it, built it, it all up from the very beginning. Yes, and it's still not very okay. big. Please know that I have only I have six horses, mm-hmm. <laughs> and
1: 20 kids coming. But that I, sounds I, ambitious I, to me, Joan. I I think that sounds like a a lot to chew off, but you do it well. So do you teach them? I'm I'm intrigued by the. Groundwork and the riding work. Do you do you start with groundwork and then go to the riding, or is it uh, does it come together naturally?
5: It, it, it comes together because with, if I they come to me because they want to ride. So if I mm-hmm. teach them, you can't. You have to start from the ground.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They will
5: lose interest really quick. So I
1: sure.
5: start out putting them bareback on my my best horse. And uh, I teach them how they can actually stop a horse without pulling the head. I teach them that you can. it's okay, you can stand up on a horse and you can stand on one leg on the horse. And so they find out that, okay, this is very much not traditional
4: <laughs> and it's really
5: fun. And they taught from the very beginning that on um, my really, really bump proof horse, that if they put their legs forward, lean back, say ho, the horse will stop.
4: And uh-huh.
5: they will remember that when when they have reins in their hand, that why would you pull the head? You know it can happen that you can stop a horse without pulling his head.
1: Excellent. That is excellent advice. Do you teach the join-up to the children too? Do they do a join-up with with the horses? their horses?
5: They will in the future. Because before <laughs> I, right now I'm here at the Flaggy Soft because I'm an internship uh, student. So I, right. I just passed my exam. And I'm not allowed to teach join-up until I'm fully certificated. Oh, exam. it was a trick question. Sorry,
1: I didn't mean oh, yeah. that. But <laughs> no, I... <laughs> no, it's
5: okay. It's okay. <laughs> but, so I never taught them join-up, but uh, before, but I, I did have a permission to tell them about it and do some oh, experiments wow. due to my exam preparation. That's right. Uh, so I was allowed in written <laughs> and I could do that. that. Before I came, so yes, I have experimented a little bit with that, and you can't do it like you can with adults. You have to, again, you have to angle it from, angle it from different angles.
1: Of course, of course, it just seems like such a natural way to to uh, get people, get kids excited about the whole thing to be able to communicate with the
3: horse.
5: And after I tried the first time, you know, when they, they came to me for the next week when they came back for riding lessons, they asked me, hey, can we go to the round pen then, sir? Because I yeah, it. Yeah, they, it,
1: is, it is cool. I, I, I don't know any adults who don't think it's cool, so I can't imagine a child that would think it's not cool. Really the big it. horse the that you're horses. communicating. Yeah. yeah. That's really and, nice. And, and, and you, you told me a little bit about how you choose these horses. For the children, um, mostly you're just looking for their their little personalities and their attitudes. You don't have a particular breed that you're in love with or anything like that, is that right?
5: No, that's true. Um, oh, I, I absolutely love quarter horses. I have to say mm-hmm. that. And there is a lot of expenses uh, connected to having a quarter horse in Denmark. So having a full riding school full of quarter horses would be. Whoohoo?
1: Huh? Yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that it's not going to happen, but I don't know why. But Halfinger comes my way all the time, oh, oui. and I okay. do love halflingers. They're really nice and good
1: horses. Yeah.
5: So I yeah, do have
1: horses. Yeah. Yeah. Good. How did you get into horses, Joan? Did were you were you born into horses?
5: No, not at all. I'm the first one in my family
1: who uh, uh, who had this huge interest
5: for horses. Actually, I'm I'm from a, a working. A labor family. I, I grew up in the city, and it took me from zero years to eight years to convince my parents that they <laughs> they needed to put me in a writing school. Uh-huh. And back in the 70s, I know, it, you know, it was a rich kid hobby. Mm-hmm.
1: So- a hobby, uh-huh. Uh-huh.
5: Uh, yeah, is that the right word? Did I say something yes, wrong? That's okay. right.
1: No, that's right. Yeah. I just make sure they understood yeah. the word. Yes, yeah, it was a <laughs> hobby back then, and it seemed like an expensive hobby, probably to to yes, parents.
5: Absolutely. Huh? And I, I, I don't think that my dad, who he was an electrician, I don't think he bragged much about that. His his daughter attended riding lessons. I, I don't think he told anyone. <laughs> <laughs> to but um, yeah, so I went on my bicycle long distance to. To be in the countryside and, uh, to be around horses. Uh, so it was something I really, really, really wanted and it was the only thing on my mind. I remember in school, I, I could just look out the window and there was this cartoon in my brain going in front of my eyes just with horses, horses, horses.
1: Aww, you just imagine. It's
5: not change really, Debbie. It's still the
1: same. <laughs> <laughs> you're, still, you're still gazing out the window
3: during your exams, huh? <laughs>
1: Well, I know you're really talented. I've seen you work with horses and it's really exciting to have somebody that's that talented but that dedicated to, to the horses and to the future of horses and to our children with horses. So I was really excited to have you on this. I would love to have you back, Joan, with, uh, now I know you're not, you're not 25. You've spent years now with horses and I would love to hear, hear some of your expertise in, uh, horses and have you back for a tip if you'll come back.
5: I will. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your kind work, Debbie, and I would love to come back.
1: Thank Thank you. you. We admire you. Thank you for your advocating for horses, too. Today's trainer's tip, we're changing up a little bit today. I thought it'd be interesting to have um, a Q&A that Monty Roberts has covered, Dad has covered, uh, recently, that brought up a little bit of controversy. in a good way I think because it's one of those subjects that a lot of clinicians and trainers don't like to touch but I think it's an important one that as our world gets smaller you'll see that it makes some sense so, Glenn, I would love—I've copied you now on this uh, Monty's Q&A, and I'd love to hear um, you read the question, and then I'll give Monty's answer as best I can.
0: Okay. So it's kind of long, but try uh, follow along, everybody, because it's important to the answer, I think, too. Mm-hmm. This is the first time my stallion has been rearing and striking since I've had him. I believe the trigger involved two things. First, we had started to teach him the Spanish walk. One does so by tapping the foreleg with the whip lightly. The stallion then lifts his leg and makes a crawling, or a clawing motion. Mm-hmm. This turns into a Spanish walk, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. My coach warned me jokingly just yesterday that we were teaching him how to strike. Secondly, my coach has been in the habit of using the whip on his chest to make him back. We have a dually we have, and have used it extensively. Mm-hmm. But he would try to playfully nip when I mm-hmm. asked him to back with it. So my coach tried to... Ch- Tried taps on the chest with the whip, maybe ones that were sometimes too hard. Mm -hmm. I believe these two things give, gave my colt license to strike out. The first instance with me when he, when I was leading him, he had a side rein on the outside to prevent him from turning his head inward, but he got ahead of me in a corner and faced me. I tried backing him by flinging the whip toward his chest. This Mm -hmm. apparently provoked him to Mm -hmm. come at me with his mouth open. He didn't get me because he was distracted by my coach. The next incident came the same day after my coach had practiced leading him. All was fine when my coach stopped and the stallion, seemingly out of nowhere, reared and struck at him. The rope got wrapped around his leg, which stopped him from further action. I, yeah, that'll do it, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, has been, <laughs> he has been... He has been... He has been doing beautifully until we started the Spanish walk thing, which I believe, connected with the whip, tapping on the chest to back, I think he's had enough. How can Mm -hmm. we address this issue safely? And Mm -hmm. you know what? She described it so well, you can picture all of this happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And hopefully not too many of our listeners have ever seen it. But if you've been around stallions long enough, you'll know exactly what she's talking about. And, uh, And here's Monty's answer. There is a strong urge within me to send you a private message regarding the horse, his behavior, and the questions that you've asked me. My private message would be short, and it would indicate that I believe that it is totally irresponsible for me to advise men or women who are not professional handlers of stallions regarding what to do with an aggressive adult stallion. I've had second thoughts on this particular situation, as it has to do with my letting the reading public know my position whenever this subject is brought to me for an answer. I suppose I've skirted the issue long enough, so here we go. This is an almighty serious situation, and it does not call for the mincing of words or the introduction of levity. Perhaps I should simply suggest that you watch the movie Buck. If you've already seen it, I suggest that you watch it again. I've talked with many people who saw the film, but simply set aside what was nearly a fatal attack by a stallion on a professional horseman. There's no excuse available to any of us. treat this situation as if it had a solution that could be conveyed through any technical device available to us today. It's my hope that you will heed my advice. For one moment, please imagine that I'm an expert in the field of explosive war devices. Now further imagine that I received a request from a 12-year-old boy in Afghanistan who wants me to advise him on the best methods to defuse roadside bombs. Should I accept the challenge and try desperately to educate him? I would most likely be giving him a sentence of death. In the case of advising non-professional stallion handlers on how to deal with an aggressive stallion, I believe I would be just as irresponsible as if I were to answer this young man. Please heed my recommendations. Remember that someone in my position learns how to read between the lines. The horse is an adult stallion who has gone aggressive. You can soften the words any way you want to. Remember, you used the term, quote unquote, playfully nipping. Also remember your words, quote, this apparently provoked him to come at me with mouth open, close quote. This horse has been whipped. He's overridden the whip by by using aggressive tactics. This will increase as time goes by and by reversing the process and reversing this process is virtually impossible. Castration can, but not always, assist in reversing the process this comment is virtually always responded to by saying quote but I want to breed with him in the early 1960s I traveled to the farm where a famous Arabian stallion stood at stud a lady actually showed him and won many championships she was entirely capable the horse was bad I suggested she send him to a professional breeding farm where he could be handled by several men on each occasion my visit was on a Sunday her truck-driving husband returned home on Thursday to find her ripped to shreds in the horse's box stall. The husband picked up his two children at school and announced to them that they no longer had a mother. I never want this again. This is the second horse that has been brought to me this week with a story extremely similar. Similar. As the world gets smaller and we love our horses more and more, it's my opinion that these stories will be more plentiful. I now know that I that I have to do what I can to let people know that these animals are only doing what nature dictates they do. In this case, someone came into his world to control him, and with the violence of a whip. He decided he was bigger, faster, stronger, and totally capable of controlling his world. I want the world to force people to know this answer. If I can help you further, please let's discuss solutions privately. Do not for one minute think that I'm telling you that the horse is at fault. I want everyone to love their horses. I want them to treat their horses in an acceptable manner and to seek solutions that are effective. whenever there's unacceptable behavior. I do not want people to simply love their horses, have someone treat them with violence and then convince themselves that it'll be okay because they love their horses. This is delusional thinking. Whether the behavior is from violence or from a total lack of boundary setting, the danger is of equal magnitude. And that's from Monty, Glenn. Uh, I think that's an important statement to make out there and uh, a subject oft not touched.
0: Right. And uh, it's because people are, are because of the, the nature of the topic, it's not touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but boy, he said it so well. Mm, thank the you. The analogy was very good. <laughs> it,
1: it puts it in perspective. Yeah. Doesn't it? And we have yeah. had people write in from all over the world thanking him for that answer, and including professionals. Who, you know are a bit afraid themselves of touching the subject because how do you do that in an email or how do you even you know you just can't see every situation or, or you know uh, carefully um, measure how to help them
0: interesting well we thank Monty for that certainly mm-hmm. for the trainer's tip and now it's time for his calendar
2: what in the wide wide world of sports
0: is going on here yeah where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two legged and four legged, in Solvang, California. August 4 through 8, Monty's special training at Flag Is Farm. And then September 20 is a night of inspiration. September 21 is Life Lessons with Monty and Pat in all day. October 5, 10, October 16, 18, October 22, 24, and 30. And then November 1, he'll be on tour in England all the way from the South Tip all the way up to Glen Eagle, Scotland.
0: You can see more about Monty's schedule and everything Monty Roberts, for that matter, at MontyRoberts.com. You can find his calendar there, or you can give him a call at 805-688-6288. That's 805-688-6288. For details about today's show, go to HorsemanshipRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about all of our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under facebook.com slash roberts or at Twitter at twitter.com slash monty underscore roberts.
1: Perfect. And many thanks to our sponsors. We couldn't do it without you. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.